This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode number 10.7. I am Joe Darnell, and with me is Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer, my co-host. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing great. I uh, prepared for this podcast about an hour ago by having a big old bowl of homemade ice cream. So you, so you might have a, a few more throat clearings to, uh, to edit out, so... Just wanted to give you a little heart attack there. Ah, that sounds like great preparation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sitting here with my bourbon. It clears the throat. Oh, man. Nice and uh, great lubricant. Great throat lubricant. I didn't know we were allowed to drink on the job. Well, now you know. (laughs) The best job ever. Podcast all day. Checks in the mail. (laughs) We have a little bit of a different routine for tonight. Yes. What we're going to do is we are not going to have a guest. We're not going to have a special guest. We're going to have a special collection of topics. We're going to talk about things that concerned us and just uh, speak freely. You know, uh, this is going to be a more intimate show, just just me and Joshua. I, I think that this is going to be good for the show. It's been, what is this? Uh, yeah, this is episode 17, <laughs> 10.7. And we haven't had one episode just to the two of us. It's like I never get to talk to you. That's true. Yeah, we, we talk before the guests and sometimes after the guests, but mm. never really get into the weeds. Or we share lots of instant messages and emails and Facebook chats and oh, yeah. random things like that. So We're all about that slack. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're the best slackers ever. <laughs> How are you liking the show so far? This is your first regularly co-hosted podcast in your life, so it, it's a big deal. This is a milestone. You'll look back and there'll be life before and after Tectonic. Yes, yes. There's no sitting back and listening. I, I actually have to participate. So that's going to be weird. I like having the... Uh, the guests so I can just kind of chill out and you know podcasting the first original immersive experience <laughs> yeah I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it so what do you feel like is uh, ahead of us you know tectonic we have many episodes under our belts we've got many great guests that are in the archives and we're going to have them back again and again I think that we have more to discuss with every one of them and that we're going to have some more is there anything in particular that you would like us to do with the show that we haven't done so far Mm. You know, spill the beans now. If you, if you want to complain, you can tell the world about it, and I can't stop you. <laughs> Speak now or hold your well, I think each time we had uh, typically spend most of the time, you know, talking about what they've done and what they're doing now, that sort of thing. But, you know, moving forward, it would be interesting to then build on that and tackle different topics with them, maybe within their frame of uh, of expertise, maybe not. And get some reviews, get some field reporting test driving of the various technologies. And we're spending so much time on bios and, you know, their professional career backgrounds and all good things all to all good people, but they were like origin stories. And I'm ready for going more in depth with the sequels. Yeah. You know, it might, it might make sense to, you know, hit up social media and asking what people are looking for requesting now you're requesting some feedback or or just purposely going out there and, and and looking for what people want in a podcast that sort of thing yeah just go go out to the man on the street and say hey <laughs> what do you want yeah I mean it's <laughs> a good thing to do is is engage in a conversation I, I I'm really happy with what we have so far and I like your ideas for the direction it's it's all in the works We'll have people back. We'll talk about more things. We also have the new hardware just around the corner. We should expect new iPhones. Oh, are you tempted to upgrade? Oh, are you kidding? I, I've got my old iPhone 5 here, and I'm just, I, I, I'm counting the days until September. I just, oh, I just can't wait. <laughs> it's a, okay, I thought you were savoring the relic while you could. Uh, no, it, I really enjoyed it 
and it really satisfied me. And I guess until the last several months, maybe, maybe since I got more, maybe since I started doing this podcast, you, you ruined me. I was, <laughs> I was perfectly content. And then, you know, Hey, you have to try this app and Hey, you have to try that app. And now I've got all these cool apps and now, you know, my phone's bogging down. So yeah, that's your fault. <laughs> so the podcast is not good for your storage space. Kind of like they say about the Mac Power users, it's not good for your wallets. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to September. You know, I don't care what they come out with as far as iPad, iPad Pro or Apple TV. You mm. know, both of those would be cool, but I just need a new iPhone. Whew. I mean, hmm. I, I think that I'm most interested just in the Apple TV on a selfish level. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely would. I definitely would upgrade that. We we use that. Probably more than we should, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this from the guy that says, free reign of all Minecraft time you want. <laughs> We're using too much Apple TV. <laughs> yes. Which version of the Apple TV do y'all have? I believe it's the latest and greatest. I think it's the, I guess, version three. Uh, it depends on who you ask. If you're talking to the power users, they prefer the second generation because I think it was the last generation you could quote unquote jailbreak and add drone software to. Right. Um, I think you could even run Plex on it. I'll double check that. And if there is some truth to that, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Right. I'm not sure about the second one. I know you could on the first one, which we had that one as well. In fact, that was the driver of us buying our very first flat screen TV. I was like, well, I can't plug in my Apple TV to this old, you know, tube. <laughs> big you know, this old tube thing I had. Welcome so. to the 21st century, Joshua. <laughs> Apple made me. We had the second generation. I thought that the original one was an interesting idea, but I completely understood why Steve, when he was talking about it, would call it a hobby <laughs> because it felt like they had just taken Mac mini software or hardware, excuse me, and repurposed it and put a different kind of body to it. That is true. We, we had it just for a little while, and we ended up buying a Mac Mini and hooking up to the TV for several years just to have a li little bit more uh, flexibility. It wasn't a bad idea, and I know a few people who did it, and it seemed like a very good idea. I think Kitty Floyd was one of those that adopted the Mac Mini connected to the television. You'd have all of your iTunes movies there, use it for the stereo speakers if you want to play any of your music, and have a central hub for your media, quote, media center in, right. the, in the living space. It's It's not a bad idea. I, I was tempted by it, and when I invested in the Apple TV, I actually seriously came very close to getting a Mac Mini because we were previously, when we first got married, my wife and I didn't need much, and we money was tight, so we got a 27-inch iMac. I think it was the second or third model, so it was long before there was talk about retina screens for the iMacs. Was that the old, old thick white ones? No, it was like, you know, that's a good point, but I'm pretty sure it was like the second or third aluminum bodied. Okay. And it was also around the same time, it would have been the second or third 27 inch screen. Okay. I could, yeah, I guess it was they, the white ones were 24 now that I think about it. Yeah. yeah. So we used that in our very small living room, had us a, a futon and it was cramped and it was good because it was 27 inches. We were a little bit closer to the iMac as our main computer. Actually, I would, I would use the keyboard and mouse on the, on the couch. <laughs> and then, yeah, when we would watch movies. Yep. Yeah. I had an old uh, app for the iPhone that, that would allow me to basically turn it into a mouse and keyboard. And that's how I ran the Mac mini on the TV for several years. And when I got away from that, I thought about using the Mac Mini as the the basis of all the entertainment in the family room. But by that time, the Apple TV had come along so well. I got the third generation, and then a friend of mine at work 
how did it happen? No, I got the, I was wrong. I got the Apple TV second generation. A friend of mine at work had the third and we swapped because he wanted to have access to the jailbreakable features. Anyway, Joshua, I think we should move on to what we wanted to discuss as the main topics for the day. You know, one of these days, we're going to have all kinds of interesting things to talk about. We're going to have side items. We're going to have follow-up because people are going to be, you know, yelling at us on the Twitter and Reddit, you know, wherever they may find us. Well, what we need to do is we need to start making technical mistakes, like like my 27-inch white iMac, and just see who's listening. You know, someone... You know, just wait for the hate mail to come in and say there was no 27-inch white iMac. When I play you know. the Super Mario Brothers game on my iPhone, dot, 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 <laughs> anything goes. If you're trying to drop a line for the follow-uppers, they, they, we'll give them loads to complain about. We may actually give them a little bit to complain about, come to think of it, because we're going to be talking about Apple beta software. And I think that there are 101 different ways to view beta software in general there are people who are hesitant about using the software. There are people who are up in arms about public betas or the quality of developer programs. And, and then there's other people who really find a lot of substance to it and appreciate the early releases. You know, I remember the day, Joshua, that we were paying more than $100 per release of a Mac OS. Or <laughs> I don't think, no, they never charged us for iOS. But I still thought it was so strange back in the earlier years, you know, 2007, 8, 9, that they weren't charging us for iOS. And I thought, does that mean it's a, you know, really crummy version? Like, are you going to come out with a <laughs> super duper version and, and just around the corner that's going to be worth a, a $50 charge? And that day, day never came. And I think that's long forgotten now that we expect so much out of their software upfront for free. Now, nothing is free. And I know that the price is kind of counted into what we pay for the Apple hardware. Right. But that's that's sort of a nebulous way to count their profit margins, isn't it? Right. I, I remember when, you know, it was 129, I think, and then it, they dropped it to 29 and then to zero for the for the Mac OS. And of course iOS has always been free, like you said, but you know, when when they start when they dropped it to one, from 129 to 29, I just remember thinking that is just a is is a game changer for really their main competition at the time, which was Microsoft. I mean, that's that's their bread and butter is charging a bunch of money for operating systems, you know. And at the time, you know, the the typical line was, of course, Macs are too too expensive, and you know, you get that you've had that forever. But but I, I just remember thinking, you know, this that, this is going to be a huge help, I guess, to to grow the the Mac community, and I'm sure it has been by saying, look, we get our 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 OS updates every year for 30 bucks and now zero and how much at that time was, was, was the various versions of windows. And of course, I, know, I remember Steve jobs making fun of the various versions of home and premium and, you know, gold edition. I mean, all these different versions and they were all very expensive. So, I mean, Apple really changed the game and really turned the screws on, on Microsoft and their profit margins with that model. And we're getting to the point that all of their entertainment software, like the iLife suite and even the iWork suite are practically free. If you have an iCloud account, you don't have to have a Mac necessarily at this point to enjoy all of the Apple productivity software. Now, you may not care for the software, but it still works really well compared to a great number of the third-party options. I'd rather use Pages over, what was it called a few years ago, like one of these other 
quote unquote universal text editors or rich text editors that was around and broadly available. You could download it from the internet. Supposedly it was open source. Hey, you know, I'm sorry, not supposedly it was open source, but it looked open source. It was disgusting. And I never found my way around that out very well. It, it was a just a difficult experience. And if you want the Apple experience, you can still get that with pages and numbers and Keynote. Keynote, man, Joshua, have you ever had the pleasure of using Keynote? Thankfully, I don't have to give many presentations, so <laughs> I, I've not used it much, but I have played with it and it does look pretty nice. Mm. It's a really great suite. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed iWork over the years. I, n- I have less of a reason to use it now because I use, I get more mileage out of apps like Ulysses, ByWord, and Typed. I, I find that I do most of my writing for the web now. It's not for print, and I'm not thinking about giving a presentation, as you say, right. for the office personnel. And if I'm going to make anything that is supposed to look super duper professional, I'm probably using Illustrator, InDesign, and Photoshop. Because, you know, that's what I use for my day job. Right. Anyway, <laughs> Joshua, you field tested iOS 9, and we weren't necessarily doing it for the show. So you just got the raw, natural experience like a, a normal human being would. <laughs> right. I actually just updated it last week. So I've got roughly one week under my belt. And I remember you asking right after I downloaded it, you know, how I liked it. And I said no problems at the time. But it's been a week, and, and I have... I definitely like some things and not sure about some things. And, I, and I'm sure some things are just beta bugs. But, you know, like I said earlier, I've got I've got my iPhone 5, uh, which is, I guess, the A6, I believe, processor. Just have 16, you know, gigs of, of hard drive space. So, so it's, a, it's a limited phone. So pretty much everything I'm saying has to be viewed through that lens that, you know, if you've got a 6 or a 6S, or I'm sorry, a 6 Plus, uh, you, you know, you're probably not going to see some of these problems. But I guess I was just slightly disappointed to see the overall performance go down. Like I understand that there's if there's third party app bugs and that sort of thing, I totally get that. But you know, t- considering this was like a talk release, you know, the TikTok, you know, the, the just the the performance upgrades to eight, I didn't think we'd go backwards in the beta. If that makes sense, I'm probably just displaying my ignorance of software development, but. I guess when when you take something and try to fine tune it, I would think it would get slightly better. And and overall, at this point, I'd have to say the beta on my phone, at least, is certainly not better than than iOS eight overall. There's a lot of lag, you know. Just tap an app, uh, you know, an Apple app or a third party, and it'll just sit there for a while. Like the, the OS will just kind of freeze up occasionally. How much of that would you blame on your five? The model of your iPhone. You said it's the five, or is it the five S? It's obviously I can't I can't say because I haven't run it on something newer, but uh, it, it certainly could be that. But it, again, it's it's worse than it was, which I wouldn't expect. Okay. If I was going from iOS, I guess seven to eight, like some sort of big update or six to seven, I can get it being quirky. But I'm sure it'll be better in September when I get a new phone. That's for sure. I, I've got no doubt no doubt about that. But I guess just a I guess a word of warning if if any listeners are running older hardware the beta is not a step forward. So another example is, and I've noticed it in various programs, third-party and Apple apps, the keyboard will just completely lock up. Like I can't even type a small sentence. Like I would get like three letters in and it'll just stop. You know, I just can't type fast. But there are there are certainly improvements like the, the, the low power mode. What does the low power mode do? <clears throat> well, if, is it Federici? I don't know if I said that right. 
Oh, yeah. Craig Federighi. Frederigi, the Apple dude. Air Force One. <laughs> basically, I think he was the one who was talking about it, that, that basically they, they just kind of went in and, and have this special mode that just kind of tweaks all sorts of different settings within the the, the sensors and the and the different uh, different aspects of the phone to, to to basically save save power, which is pretty nice if, if you're gonna if you know you're gonna go out and not have access to plug, you know what if my cars do, doesn't have a uh, a charger that works so that so that I always struggle when I drive that car, so that'll be nice, and of course it automatically comes on at twenty percent to kind of get you through the day, so that's pretty nice. Another thing that I I guess I like and don't like is the is uh, something I've found that I, I use a lot, which is the, the, I don't know what they call it, the app switcher, where you double tap and it goes into the multitasking mode mm-hmm. where you can kind of swipe through. Do they call that multitasking now because of the 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 dual, the split screen on the iPad? You know, the term is escaping me. I would have said multitasking, but multitasking yeah. covers a lot these days. It looks like it, right. it covers things on the iPad, like the slide out the app on the side feature or the ability to have the split view. I would dare say that it is multitasking, but what it really reminds me of is mission control on the Mac. And in my head, I think that that's the metaphor I use. And so I think of double pressing the home button to call up mission control on iOS. I know it's not what they call it, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah, I don't know what they call it, but I think they at least they used to call it multitasking. Anyways, I call it the app switcher. I, I find that I, I use that a lot, and uh, not not just to switch between apps, but I really liked on iOS eight and I guess seven had it. The recents and the favorites at the top. Uh, I've just found I, I use that a lot to kind of hop back into a conversation or to to contact someone. Obviously only have a handful of people I, I you know talk to on a regular basis. I thought I used that a lot and then I realized in the in the beta they removed that bar completely. And I, and I guess I knew that but it didn't really sink in until I started using it. I'm not sure why they moved it. You have to go home and then you have to swipe over and it just seems like a little bit too much effort. <laughs> I know it's just a a little bit more but maybe it's just muscle memory and I could relearn but I don't know why they wouldn't use that. Any any thoughts on that? It's hard to say. It feels like they they eke out very small iterations on these kinds of features because if you add complexity to something related to multitasking, a lot of your normal household users are not going to fully appreciate or understand what we would call power user stuff. So if they're going to introduce one, two, or three things, they have to cut off the threshold somewhere. And so they're going to make a simplified interface that that even though you could put more in there, it, if it would it would be uncharacteristic of Apple to just squeeze one more thing in if they felt like it was going to hinder their, you know, your parents from making a, a, a good use of the, the, the device. And I think that that would be a stumbling block for a great number of users. Just there's got to be a threshold where there's only so much potential for any given version release. If you want to steer in a certain direction, like you say, introduce something that shows more potential and then not really take advantage of it, then it gives them room to grow in iOS 10. Yeah, I guess, you know, to remove it, though, from the top of the Mission Control app launcher thing and then place it in the, I guess, what they're now calling Siri Search instead of Spotlight. Yeah, it looks like a super-powered Spotlight. It's it, it's a different sort of beast. Uh, tell me more about this. This was actually the feature that caught uh, my attention most. I'm not sure how useful it is to me quite yet. Again, they're putting in the... They've removed the favorites and the recents, and they they put in 
series suggestions. It's not your favorites, and it's not the re- most recent necessarily. It's kind of this weird combination. So you can't add or remove from the list? Not that I can tell. Well, I wish they would reveal how it learns what to add there and put in your suggestions. And that I know, I know. Again, we're going into the the territory I just brought up about you know you introduce so many features that everyday people can't appreciate them, and it becomes a stumbling block. But I'm like you; it sounds like you're itching to do something more with that, so you get a more bang out of your use case. Right. So I'll just give you an example. You know, I'm in my messages, and you're the last person I sent a message to. So if I weren't in my messages, I would have to hit home. I'd have to swipe left, but then you're not in the top four. Why? I don't know. I click show more and you're the eighth. You know, there's other people like seven, eight, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth that I don't message hardly ever. (laughs) You know, I message you (laughs) quite frequently. So I'm not sure how you got the eighth spot, (laughs) you know? So Siri doesn't like you as much as I do, apparently. Apparently not. Kind of weird. Not sure why. Not sure if I like it. And it's the same thing with, you know, right, be- right below the contacts, they've got apps. Like, for example, one of the suggestions is uh, is the calendar. I don't use the calendar app. <laughs> uh, I, I use Fantastical or whatever you call it. Joshua, you're just wasting your time. You're clearly not doing anything with your life. Why aren't you using their Apple Calendar app? And then, of course, there's nearby. I've not used that yet. You know, just nearby restaurants and things like that. And nightlife. Yeah, in my town, nightlife. Good luck, Siri. And then they've got news, you know, trying to drive me to the news app. Uh, which is a whole other subject, focusing on Spotlight slash Siri. You know, it's supposed to be this thing that that learns how you use things, and I've not seen any of that yet. But have you seen that it's waiting for the public release before it's really usable? I was wondering if it would be fully functional. I have no idea, but but very basic things, like since I started saying the sentence, I typed an N-O to search for notes, and just now it actually came up. You know, really, it, it took five seven seconds feels like an eternity. And again, that could be my hardware, but why? I mean, why can't it index basic things like apps? Like, why does it have to go out and try to search the whole internet or whatever it's trying to do? There should be some sort of prioritization. I do it a lot. You know, just swipe, type two letters, launch the app. It seems to have gotten dumber. So yeah, I I don't know what what to think about Siri search at this point. I will hold out and hope. Oh, definitely. I think we're all on the edge of our seats. Are you ready to dive into Notes or the News app? Or are you more compelled by the new features of the apps themselves, like Maps? You know, it's got all those transit directions. You use those every day to go to work, <laughs> don't you? Uh, haven't been into Maps yet, and I certainly haven't been into transit, so that's really not applicable for, for my life. I'm sure it's going to make a world of difference for the people who do. Yeah, our yeah. friend Joe Kayati, you know, he uses it, at least I, I think in theory, and I would, I'm, I'm bound to do that when I make my first visit there. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I actually uh, hope, we both hope to go up in a few months to New York. So it, it could be useful then. The Notes app I played with for about 15 seconds and it crashed. So that didn't give me very warm fuzzies. So there was that. Did you ever use the Notes app before or do you use it on the Mac? I, I haven't really. I mean, I, I've used it in the past, but got into Evernote. Kind of have just used that. Not sure if the new Notes app will really be uh, something to make me switch, but we'll see. I don't think it's really warranted. If you use the one, you don't really have. Just put everything in one Notes app is what I'm trying to say, and I think that that's what most people want to do. If you are used to the idea of using Apple's Notes, then 
all the more power to you. I think it's going to be these, there's going to be some exciting updates here. Uh, I'll get to it in a few minutes when we talk about El Capitan. Okay. Now you don't ever connect a wireless Bluetooth keyboard to your iPhone, do you? No, I never have done that. Nope. I was curious to see if anything was new in that area because there are new keyboard commands, uh, app switching for the iPad. But I was wondering if there was any kind of improvements for the iPhone as well, because I, the number of people who use an external wireless keyboard with their iPhone has to be slim to none. But if it's right there and it, it's already supported, then I don't see why they wouldn't create some extra features or use keyboard shortcuts. And that would be very useful when you are that person, you are that special someone that wants to use their keyboard with your iPhone. So yeah, I, I haven't tried, but you know, it could be something that, you know, it seems like they're trying to differentiate the iOS versions a little bit from the phone and the iPad, you know, trying to maybe encourage people to use the iPad for, I guess, more work related multitasking things. So it could be that they kind of keep that out uh, strategically, I guess. I don't know. Now, do you use Siri much? Did you use it much before and after the update on this beta? Uh, I haven't used it a whole lot since the update, but I, I typically use it for very short commands because it seems like every time I want to use it, my network connection isn't great and it, and, it, and it ends up in frustration. But if it's something short, you know, play this or open this or call that person, uh, I will use that. And typically it's pretty, <laughs> well, I did actually have, I'm trying to remember what the command was. <laughs> uh, since we're a G-rated G show, I can't tell you what Siri interpreted, but it was uh, not G-rated. I was like, what? Like I hurried up and canceled it because I didn't want it to actually do what it was trying to, try to do. And I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> we'll save that for the after dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put the, put the kids to bed and I'll tell you what dirty mind Siri had. <laughs> so overall positive experience. Would you recommend everybody rush out and download their public betas right now? <laughs> I can't, I can't recommend it. I mean, I can't not recommend it. I, I've got no catastrophes here. Nothing is terrible. It's just, it's, it's certainly not better at this point. It's not as exciting as you were hoping. Yeah. There's nothing that's going wild. That, that one thing is, is really great. I mean, yeah. You should have gotten an Apple watch instead. <laughs> Looking forward to new hardware. I'm, I'm sure I'll be more excited with a more, slightly more stable OS and new hardware. I find that if there's anything laggy or freezing up on a device, it's more disconcerting to me on my iPhone or iPad than it is on my Mac because I've been experiencing bugginess on a Mac since I was seven years old. And so if my Mac freezes, I know what to do. There's so many ways to troubleshoot it and I can usually eliminate the problem for myself. I'm not living in a beta. So my Mac can survive it and weather the storm. I know how to treat it and we can move on. And for that reason, I am more open to the idea of exploring betas on a Mac than I am on iOS, because with iOS, I feel like I'm in less control. I, if it really becomes a problem, I'm, I'm definitely afraid of bricking my phone. I can't tell you how frustrating that could be or would be. I had one or two very raw, annoying experiences with jailbreaking my iPhone 4S. I, I don't recommend it. I, I heard of people who had all the success and they had a glorious experience using jailbroken phones. And I never really saw the light. I didn't see that. I felt like I was in a dark tunnel and I was never getting to the end of the tunnel. It's like, <laughs> yes, I can go down this dark tunnel, but why would I care? Why would I want to go in the, the dark tunnel called jailbroken phone? 
Now, I, I jailbroke my iPhone 1, which was $500, well before there was like good support for all of this. And, and it was like this, this complete hatchet job, but it was great. I mean, I would get to, yeah, I actually did install Super Mario Brothers on, <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And did, could you copy and paste? Uh, don't recall that. There might have been that option, but I don't recall that. I'm sure if you could have, you would have remembered it. But it, there was this really cool app switcher, where, which uh, you, you kind of swiped up from like the lower right, and it kind of created this like rainbow of apps that you could choose from. It was really cool. Hmm. Interesting. I, I have an old uh, picture. I'll try to grab it for the show notes. Was it sort of like fanning out one of the piles of files on your dock bar on a Mac? It wasn't like that. It was more of a more of a quarter circle. Hmm. I was always more interested in the designy treats in the jailbroken stuff, you know, being able to change your app icons or change the default font face. Uh, those were things were fun, but in the long run, it just wasn't worth the bugs and the extra labor and time it took to sync things uh, tethered or even untethered and risk crashes and bugs that would mean you'd have to reinstall the whole thing from a backup like that happened a dozen times. And that was back in the days when, I mean, people really were bricking their phones and like there was nothing they could do. I mean, there was really bad stories back then. Yeah. So it yeah. was, it was risky, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was young, young punk to, you know, there was no, no risk that I couldn't withstand. So with the life cycles of the Macs, kind of like you mentioned earlier, there is the TikTok cycle that we see these days and more and more people are referring to it. It makes a lot of sense. Usually Apple comes out with one version of an OS that's trying to include lots of snazzy new features and introduce new apps. They're trying to make it speedier. It feels like you got an, a whole new, I don't know, I don't know what to say. It's not a whole new experience, but you feel like it's it's all about what's new. You know, we're craving the new this year. Give us something new. Right. And they accomplished that with Yosemite. That was last year. The buttons, the the feel of the windows, the translucency. We got the first uh, change in typeface for the system in 10 years. We had, what was it, Yosemite Grande? That became a part of OS X, I think, in 97 or so. I liked Lucida Grande. I like Helvetica New. But we got Helvetica New that lasted just for one year in the tick of the cycle. But now we're looking at El Capitan, this beta. And I, I signed up for this one shortly after it became publicly available. I didn't hesitate, like I said, because I can weather the storms on a Mac. And I had a good feeling about this one because this is the talk. It's not about what's new. It's about refinements. It's about improvements, uh, efficiency under the hood. And they're going to do less that would cause setbacks in general. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. There could still be crashes. And there ha I have experienced app crashes. But they're nothing so sufferable that I, I cannot weather the storm. I get to experiment with things like the new features of mission control, which matter a lot to me, and the, what is it called, split view, where you can have the notes off to the side. You can have the browser in full screen on the other side. And all of a sudden, full screen just makes sense. It makes sense when you can refer to the two apps you're primarily using at a single time. It's just not as useful as I was hoping it to be. So let's get into this. Uh, do you have any interest in using the El Capitan beta? Yeah, I, I downloaded it a few days ago, and I've only used it just a little bit. So I'm running it right now, and I did my first split screen today. Did you find it useful at all? Did you ever use full screening before? Yeah, I, I did use full screen, but I've got 
two 27 inchers. So full screen, unless I'm, I mean, I just, I hardly have a need for something that big. Why do I need this many inches of real estate here? So I think the split screen will be really nice. That'll still be plenty big for any app. Interesting. I'm actually a huge user of mission control. I like to be able to see my desktop very frequently. I'll do a lot of dragging and dropping. There's always a file I'm trying to drag into, say, my Squarespace site and upload an audio file or a picture file. Or maybe it's just the finder and I drag something over to Yoink. So Yoink is this third-party app that creates a drawer on the side of the screen. When you drag and drop a file, you can put it into the drawer and then you can go over, switch over to, say, another desktop or another window and drop it in and you can pick it up right from Yoink because it's available on the side of the screen at all times until the file goes away from the drawer. Hmm. Um, there's little features like that that feel like they belong natively on the Mac. What did you? What software did you say that was? It's called Yoink. It's Yoink. Y O I N K. That sounds interesting because that, especially with the you know screen real estate as it as it grows, it sometimes is hard to grab something and then try to find the place you want to put it. You know, five miles away. Yeah. A few years ago, I started doing screencast videos for my website, and one of my favorites that I got to produce was the one where I described how I use Mission Control. I still basically use it the same way, so I'll have one desktop space where I have my web browsers, and typically I use Safari for light browsing and you know, stuff that isn't too taxing, and if I know I could encounter more bugs, which may happen, or just a lack of support for who knows what's going on under the hood of a particular website trying to use cutting-edge standards and all the new stuff that matter to web developers, then I'll turn to Google Chrome. And I'll use Chrome actually for things like Google Docs, because there's just a few things that don't make any sense in Safari's ability. Like, you can't use copy and paste. I can't use copy and paste in Google Docs in Safari. Mm. So anytime I'm podcasting, I'm here in Google Chrome. And for what it's worth, there are several little niceties in the apps of El Capitan involving, uh, you know, the staples like Spotlight and Safari, Mail, Maps, and and Notes. You you get new features that are comparable to what you see on iOS 9. You probably already heard about them if you were listening to this podcast. So I'll just run through these things pretty quickly. Uh, You know, like you can shake your cursor and you have this little feature where your cursor will grow nice and big. They call it find my cursor. And just shaking the cursor, it helps if you got to go find your cursor. And this might be especially useful for someone who has bad eyesight is, or maybe you're relatively new to computers. And this idea is a great one if you're just getting used to your, your life on a machine like this. But because I have had 15 years of experience using you know, even more than that, most of my life using computers, I'm really well adjusted to not having a growing cursor. So even though it's, you know, theoretically helpful, it's mostly just in the way. When it happens, it's because I'm sliding back and forth in Logic Pro and I'm dragging and dropping things and I'm cutting out a little bit of something that I want to trim up and shape up and I quickly drag an audio file this way and that. And all of a sudden, my cursor grows while in midstream and I'm clicking on holding down on a file and it feels very jarring. Like, where did that other bizarre looking thing come from? What is that? Oh, that's just my cursor. I'm sure I'll get adjusted to it. It's it's not a problem long term, but I would like it if I could turn that off. Is it at all customizable? 
you know, on the on my trackpad, I have to really move it back and forth really quickly uh, to actually see any change. So I wonder, is it customizable at all in the in the settings? Well, I don't know. But here's the thing: it doesn't always work, and that's just probably a problem with the system as it is in beta. So, like right now, I cannot get to respond whatsoever. But typically, it works very well, and I don't know if that's because memory is low, I'm running too many things, background processes, et cetera, et cetera. It maybe just gets bumped off the list of this is what's going to work, and it's somehow related to a short list of things that get bumped when the memory loses itself. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it just for the time being, it's not working at all. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe that's just what we hope to happen. There's got to be a command in the terminal. You can go in, somebody will figure it out what it is in the terminal. You can copy and paste this particular command and hit enter and boom, Bob's your uncle, your cursor will just stay still and stay small. <laughs> that It's it's pretty crazy that they wouldn't give the option uh, And as I'm talking and looking for it at the same time. <laughs> so then there is the new Spotlight and kind of like your concerns involving Spotlight features on iOS 9. It feels great to have these new features if they really work in everyday experience. It feels like, though, it's taken too long to get these new features. So I don't know that I would actually start using Spotlight more and more just because it's more powerful. I've been a big LaunchBar 6 user. And before that, I was using, what was it, Alfred. And I think both of those are great launchers. They're great search tools. They, they come at a reasonable price, and to this day, they can still do so much more than Spotlight can. So I appreciate Apple's direction. I feel like they took some inspiration from these third-party utilities, and I hope that they're not discouraged when I think that several of the reviewers are going to say just what I had to say, except that they loathe Spotlight for not like living up to all the expectations of the power users. I don't think that that's what we need to do. I appreciate Apple doing what they do and allowing for room for the third-party solutions to exist and be stable. So if you want less, then less is more. It's good for you. Stick with Spotlight. I do use Spotlight. I've never used a third-party launcher, so I don't know what I'm missing, I guess. But I guess what I, li- I love about Spotlight is just the quick way to get to it. You know, the, the I guess the command space, which is right there on the keyboard, Command space, boom, you know, type type a letter or two, and and it typically works really well for me. So, are you able to, I guess, modify that? I'm sure you can in the oh yes, notif- yeah, okay. And you can reassign Spotlight as well. If you, for instance, want to use, you could use Control Spacebar or Option Spacebar instead of Command Spacebar to call up Spotlight while you're using a third-party utility to use, well, whatever. You just decide the keyboard shortcuts as you like. Hmm. So what does Launch Center, as you said, Launch Center Pro, what does that do that Spotlight doesn't? Oh, it's it's Launch Bar 6. Uh, pretty sure Launch Center is that thing where you see all of your Mac apps like in a home screen layout. And I don't know anybody who likes it. I use it every now and then, but mostly because I'm just goofing around. All right. Well, LaunchBar 6 is really practical because you can call up programs and choose recently opened files. You can do basic math in it. You can get the weather. You can do more. You can get a little bit of like a a data analysis of how you've been using your your Mac, uh, various software. You can even run like basic scripts from the the app as well. You can quit an app. You can restart your Mac from it. You can control the volume from it. So it does more than than Spotlight will. Spotlight focuses on search. And in more recent 
developments with El Capitan, you can use native, you know, communication. You can speak in your natural language, which is one of the highlights for Spotlight on El Capitan. And that's excellent. You can also move the window around. That's curious. I don't know that I needed to do that, but fine. It's just, uh, it feels like it's, they're good features that are still not going to lure enough of the power users. And it's a few years late for me. If I were coming to the Mac now, I probably would love it. Now that I'm elbow deep in to launch Barp 6, I, I'd rather just stay with this solution. Okay, so the, the Notes app, I feel kind of like you, Joshua. I like the, what they're doing here. And these features are good features. And if you're using the Notes app already, then take advantage of these. You can use the checkboxes, which means you may or may not need a basic to-do app. You may not need to use Reminders and the Notes app. I don't necessarily recommend on using this as your full featured productivity project management program because it's missing a great number of things you could do with other utility, you know, programs that manage to do lists and projects. But it's interesting because if you're already in a note and you want to create a simple to-do list that pertains to what you're writing in the note, then in theory, they just go hand in hand. Like perhaps you just want to write a draft for an article in your notes. And when you get to the point that you feel like you have a great outline for your, for your article, then you can, you can take it from there and move it to whatever full-featured editor that you have in mind. And you'll have a version. You'll have a copy of that original draft or that original outline in notes. And then you'll have the piece you're working on in Byword or in pages, whatever. So in theory, I can see why you would use things like images inside. You can use, you know, rich format checklists, and essentially something like cards where you can put in little uh, snippets of other apps, like a, a quick navigation for a map into the Notes app. It's interesting stuff. It's just, I found it to be not buggy, but a little bit frustrating that what I'm putting into Notes on El Capitan in beta is not showing up in Notes on iOS 8. So I have, they're out of sync what I have in iOS 8 is not showing up on my Mac anymore. And what I have on the Mac is not showing up in iOS 8 anymore. Right. When I launched Notes for the first time in iOS, it gave me some sort of, and I just kind of skimmed through it, but it, it gave me some sort of warning. You want to upgrade your Notes, right? And I said, sure. So yeah, there is definitely, I'm sure it's backwards compatible somehow, but yeah, there's there's definitely a difference. So there are many other things I could talk about. There are good improvements to mail, which I use on a regular basis, but I don't think it's anything to write home about. So I'll talk about the things that really matter to me. As a designer, I'm happy to see that they added just a hint of skeuomorphism back. If you're in the Finder and you see your buttons up in the toolbar, they have a little bit more shadow. They have a little bit more curvature. The layout of things is a little bit less transparent. It's what we would say if this were Adobe Photoshop, we would say it's more opaque, it's more solid, and you can't see straight through it. In Safari, it, it makes a, a lot more sense. If you consider how much time you're looking at the buttons or you're looking at the, the toolbar at the top of the program, it's just easier to read in, a sl in ever so slightly. It's easier to view. It's easier on the eyes. Uh, the buttons are bigger. They don't make more sense in other ways. Like the text is really small on my high def screen. So I would say like, if I'm looking at my bookmarks bar, you can't change the size of all your bookmarks there. 
So I can read that it says IMDb, uh, I, Wikipedia, Apple.com, 365 Movie Guy, r- Minimal Reader. But it's pretty small. It's like a, a font size of nine points. I'd rather have more flexibility here to see icons in a large, a larger scale in the toolbar that didn't look ridiculous, that didn't look like they were jerry-rigged. Like you could go into the, uh, the toolbar and customize your toolbar and sometimes you'll see a little option there that says, you know, use small sized icons or use big sized icons. Nothing like that really exists, but that's, I know no one really cares. I wasn't expecting this update in El Capitan. It's not a make or break problem. It's just one of those things I would like to see them improve upon, work in. There are other nice things though, to really enjoy. So I wonder if if he could do something in, in accessibility features to tweak that. It'd be great if you could. I I don't believe that there is, but if anyone knows a solution for more visually impaired people, I mean, is that what you're kind of saying? Just kind of have everything just a little bit bigger. Yeah. But like go from a 0.9 to a 0.11. It doesn't have to be a huge leap. Mm -hmm. It just has to be something that feels like normal readable scale of text. Like I have notes opened up right now, side by side with Safari and the default size of the text in notes is two or three point sizes larger than it is in Safari. It just feels like, why is all the text in the toolbar in miniature on very important programs? I don't get that. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm playing around in, in accessibility uh, in the display size and just clicked on increase contrast. And I actually really like how it looks. Yes, yes. I've actually experimented with that. Some people like to say that it seems to like be a throwback to earlier Mac OS, like iOS 9. It feels like something retro. <laughs> and it's nice because everything becomes super solid. It reduces transparency and black is blacker. Text that was originally like a regular font face style becomes bold or semi-bold. And that's that's really nice sometimes. Because I am a designer though, I know I'm kind of pulling a cheat. And so it gets distracting sometimes where in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, so what were the designers doing and why were they thinking about this? And why did they think that this was the right solution? When it's really quite simple, they were just trying to make something better for the visually impaired. It's not really meeting my needs. It's not thinking about my concerns for the ultimate readability across the board for all users who need better improved accessibility or no improved accessibility. I'm just a regular guy with 2020 vision. I'm just looking for a better readable interface for everyday users. Yep. But so back to Safari, pen tabs, finally, thank God, this is good. And I like the implementation better than you can get in Google Chrome. But it's nothing to write home about. There's also the ability to mute the sound coming off of your tabs that is annoying, you just don't want that's nice. It's, but again, it's nothing to say if you were already using Google Chrome, oh, I'm definitely going to switch over to Safari now. <laughs> <laughs> the, these are features that are almost inconsequential. If you're a regular Safari user, then you're going to be pretty happy. Back to my favorite features. I really like what they've done with Mission Control. Mission Control is where I spend a great deal of time as I hop between Photoshop, Illustrator, Finder, and who knows what? I really manage a lot of windows, and I hate it when windows are stacked on top of each other. I know a lot of people who like to rearrange things so that they have many windows all side by side and filling up all the crevices of their screen. I cannot do that. 
it feels too, uh, it feel like my mind is split in too many directions. I like a context and I don't feel like the browser belongs right alongside of email and notes right alongside of the system preferences window or messages right alongside of Photoshop. You know, they, they belong in separate spaces. And in the old days, I would have had two or three different displays set up on my desk so that I'd have one display for browsing, one display for uh, mail. And my excuse for this was actually using professional software like Soundtrack Pro, Logic, and Final Cut and Motion 5. You, having multiple displays on your desk was super practical when managing the timeline of a, of a film an hour long. You wanted to have a full preview screen and you wanted to have all of your file management for Final Cut in another, in the viewer, in another space. So it was great to have multiple displays. Now, since I've cut back on all the video production, I think it's far more practical to just have one display to rule it all and manage all of the programs in the one display. And, if, and the only way I can do that sanely is to use multiple desktops within Mission Control. And now that they have made Mission Control more fluid, it just makes a little bit more sense. They shaved off the rough edges and you have split view. It's so much better. Joshua, I have the notes up uh, from Evernote for my likes and dislikes and my list of reported bugs in one side of my screen and Chrome on the other. And I cannot tell you how happy I am. Full screen did not make sense until we got split view. Right. I mean, full screen makes sense on my MacBook Air. It does not make sense on my 27-inch display, and unless I was doing something like, like Photoshop and you know, really getting into pixels and stuff. But for most uses, it does not make sense on a 27-inch. Maybe maybe photos, but but that's about it. Lastly, I should say something about the topography because we went from Lucida Grande two years ago into Helvetica New with Yosemite, and now we have San Francisco on El Capitan. It's a beautiful font face. I like it in the menu bar. I like seeing it in the system preferences. And you probably see it best. There was uh, the dictionary app. Yeah. You see lots of this font face in the dictionary app. I am always hopping over to the dictionary for a quick double check of like, there's always those words that trip you up and only you, you know, only trip you up. (laughs) Is human being one or two words? Let me look that up and I have to pull it up. Pretty much all the text, if I can tell, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure all the text you see from top to bottom for the thesaurus, the dictionary, the quick view of Wikipedia, and the like, is in San Francisco. And it's a lot like Helvetica New, uh, Nue, or whatever it is. It's it's good. It's good, solid, uh, sans-serif font. I don't really know why Apple felt like they needed to do this. Maybe they were working on San Francisco years ago, thought they would have it ready for Yosemite, and at the last minute, they just didn't have it ready, so they had to back out and return to something else, and they didn't want to back out to La Cita Grande, so they used Helvetica Nui. I'm not sure what, what is all involved in a font. It just doesn't seem that, that complicated. It's not that complicated, and probably the only reason I really care is because of my background in design. Well, I understand from a design and all that, but I'm just saying from an engineering, like, they just didn't have it ready. I mean, there's only 26 letters, you know? couple numbers well okay well you are oversimplifying it it's <laughs> it's not that true well, I've, i have i have i've had to make fonts for for uh, documents at, at work and and i don't i don't see how it's that complicated well good and then you could appreciate it once you get it 
I'm sure you're going to see it. You're going to be able to give us a good critical analysis as a font face designer. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a font face designer. <laughs> uh, not much else to say about it right now, except that I am pleasantly surprised that in this talk release, the, the TikTok swing, this is pretty stable for a beta. I have a list of about 20 bugs, things that like to crash. Yes, they do like to crash, but no data loss. I've had uh, everything get saved when I tell it to save. There's nothing out of this world that just becomes a hangup that destroys anything I'm doing on my Mac. Is it as stable as the current release of Yosemite? No, but there are bugs in Yosemite too. Some of those bugs that have been eating at me for years in the Finder, if you go to start and name a file and you're naming it and you realize, I need to refer to some other app window. What was it again that I needed to look at? Yeah, I want to name this file based off of this other thing. You use uh, the tab uh, switcher. So you use command tab, hop over to that other app, and then return to the Finder to finish naming the file. And now nothing in the Finder works. You click on things, get keyboard shortcuts, commands. You use the cursor. You cannot click on anything. The only thing you can do is close the Finder entirely and then start a new window, and then you can rename the file. There's things like that that make no sense to me whatsoever. And that was a problem in Yosemite I hoped that they would fix. Uh, surely somebody realizes that this is on a long list of backburner bugs to repair and this is something that they're not they're not dealing with. And that's just one of probably two or three dozen that I have encountered as a regular Mac user over the years that I am I'm just experienced with. And I don't even seem to notice them anymore. So El Capitan has my full endorsement. I'm recommending it. If you're venturous, if you want to try a public beta, you can't go wrong with this one. Just keep in mind you should do great backups. You should be prepared for the worst and enjoy it and you know. I'm just hope and pray the worst doesn't happen. <laughs> I've used LCAP a little bit, and uh, it seems pretty stable from the basic stuff that I've I've done so far. So stick with what makes you happy, right, Joshua? Yipper. If you could, would you go back to iOS eight? Uh, it, it's not hurting me that bad. I can get done what I need to get done, I guess. And for the most part, I will probably stay with the beta program for LCAP ten in my regular daily use. I could always go back to Yosemite. I have that here. I just don't feel like I'm putting anything at risk. And that might change with the next public beta release. It could be it could be a real problem with some unforeseen bug catastrophe. But I don't think that that's really going to happen. And I'll wait for the response of everybody on the web when that day comes, when the new beta is released. I'll wait to see what other people have to say about it before I make the leap and know with some kind of confidence that I'm not getting into a, a great big hairy mess. Cool. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It was nice knowing you, Joshua. Yeah. Till we get to talk next time after a long series of guests. Uh, so sorry, not enough time for you. <laughs> You're going to miss this t special time we had together. <laughs> no, it was, I think it was a good show. I'm, uh, and I'm ready to go to bed. Got that down in the calendar app for you. <laughs> So this is the end of episode 10.7. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes and links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 10-7. If you want to chat with us, the show is at tectonic.fm on Twitter. I'm at underscore Joe Darnell, and my co-host is at Joshua Pfeiffer. But if you'd rather, you can also send your emails to us. Send email to hello at tectonic.fm. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic. Bye-bye.